Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to everyone who has joined us in church this morning for worship of our trying God. We also extend a special welcome to all the visitors who have joined us here this morning, here in church, or who are with us remotely via the live stream. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. May God be praised and glorified by our worship. Consistory has the following announcements. Following, the last, following last week's election, Consistory has appointed to the office of Elder the brothers A. Bolos, T. Everts, F. Osthausen and J. Vendongen, and to the office of Deacon the brothers B. Husinger and M. Pott. If no lawful objections are brought forward by the 6th of November, the ordination will take place on Sunday the 19th of November, the Lord willing. The following baptised brothers and sisters have requested to public, publicly profess the faith and so receive admission to the Holy Supper. Johnny Bolos, Hanno Boone, Melinda Dembor, Paige Old, Alicia Plug, Sienna Wagner and Sebastian Zanmen. Sam Phillips and Jolene Chow have also requested to publicly profess their faith and so join the church. Consistory, having considered their motives, as well as their knowledge of scripture and the confessions, have resolved with thankfulness to the Lord to grant these requests. If no lawful objections are brought forward by the 30th of October, the profession of faith will take place to Lord willing on Sunday the 5th of November in the morning service. Can the, uh, those who are professing their faith please um, head to the consistory room after the, the morning service? Uh, to choose a book. Um, brother and sister Dathan and Katrina Plater, along with their baptised son Elias, have requested an attestation to the Canadian Reformed Church of Elm Creek. We wish them the Lord's blessing as Dathan takes up his new role as pastor of this congregation. Consistory as elders only will meet at 7.40pm tomorrow. Consistory with deacons will meet at 8pm tomorrow. You are reminded that Classes North will convene on Friday at 9am. At this Classes, Brother Tim Slyre, who we have called for mission work, will undergo his preemptory examination. And this morning, the worship service will be led by Reverend Poppy. Before we commence the worship service, let's sing together from Hymn 47, verse 4.
Brothers and sisters, please rise and let's worship the Lord. As God's people, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's now sing a song of praise to our God. We'll sing from Psalm 27, the verses 1 and 6. great kindnesses of the Lord is that the Lord gives us his law. It's in his law he not only teaches us how to live in a relationship with him, he also reveals his character to us and he shows us how through the spirit of Christ we can live a grateful life before him. 
Let's listen to the law of the Lord as it comes to us this morning in Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and who keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing from Psalm 103. In this song, we're going to ask God for his grace, sing of the, the mercy that he has, and also for the patience that he has together with us. That's one of the themes of the sermon this morning. Psalm 103, the verses 6 and 7.
Let's now pray to God and let's ask God for a blessing over the time we have together. Almighty God and Father in heaven, life is like grass, so quick to fade and perish. It's like a flower that will but briefly flourish and that sears and withers in the blowing wind. And soon it's gone without leaving any traces. That's the truth of our lives, Lord. We're here. We have health and strength. We can do a few things. But soon after that, we begin to fade. It's before long that you call us home. And the years go by, and the centuries go by, and the millennia go by. And yet you are God. And you uphold all things. Everything is in your power. And everything happens according to your plan. Thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. And thank you, Lord, that you tell us that our lives are not meaningless, that they don't come and go without any purpose, but that our lives find meaning in you and that you've promised us an eternal future together with you. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one who makes it happen. You are the one who has sent your son into this world to extend grace to us so that we can live with you and that we can do so forever. Thank you for your patience with us in the meantime, Lord, that you carry us. We often sin against you. We often say and do those things that are really displeasing in your sight. And yet you are a gracious and a merciful God. And you are willing to forgive our sins. And you're willing to restore us in a relationship with you. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning. And we plead with you that, again, you would forgive us for the sins we've committed this past week. Forgive us for the times that we didn't trust you. Forgive us, Lord, for those times where we acted in our own strength, for our own glory, by our own power, to our own ends. Lord, we, we're sorry for not loving you as we should. We pray also that you would forgive us for the times that we've sinned against the people around us, against our husband or our wife, against our children or our parents, against our brothers and sisters or our classmates, against our coworkers or against our boss. Father, it happens in so many ways that we are self-focused, we're selfish and proud, we're greedy and we're covetous, we're lustful and we're angry, and it causes so much distress for the people around us. We pray, Lord, that you would forgive us, that you show us mercy and that you carry us. We also pray, Lord, that you would expose our hearts to ourselves, that we can see us for who we really are, that we can see us through your eyes. We pray to this end that you would bless us with the preaching of the gospel this morning. Grant that as we open your word that we understand what kind of a God you are, that we love you, that we appreciate that you are calling us to righteousness and holiness. You're calling us to be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. And thank you, Lord, for the great promise that you're doing this. You will conform us through your Holy Spirit. And so we pray that you would give us great faith as we hear the word, that we may believe it, that we would love you for what you're doing for us, that we may trust Christ as our Savior, and that we may be remade into his image. Please help us in these things, Father, with your Holy Spirit, for Jesus' sake. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, this morning I get to preach the last of the, um, the fruit of the Spirit to you. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. And in connection with that, I'd like to read two passages of the Scriptures. We're going to read first from Colossians 3 about the new life we have in Christ. And then we're going to read a few verses from James chapter 5. So I invite you to open your Bible with me. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start reading at verse 12.
In Colossians 3, the Lord Jesus is teaching us, our Father's teaching us about the new life that we have in Christ. Christ has ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God. He has all power and authority, and he calls us to set our hearts on things above. That he calls us to, to live the new life by the power of his spirit. In Colossians 3, verse 12, there God's word says, and it's on page 1170, God's word says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against each other, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So far, then we turn in our reading to the book of James. We're going to read together from James 5, starting at verse 7. You find that on page 1202 of your guest Bible. James 5, we're going to start reading at verse 7. God's word continues, be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives early, the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against anyone, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So far, the reading of God's word. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing of the, the Lord's calling to us to be patient and to trust in him. Psalm 37, the verses 3 and 16.
The text for the sermon this morning is taken from Galatians 5, verse 22. We're just going to look at the, the one fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. Then after the proclamation of God's word, we're going to sing together from hymn 65, the verses 1 and 2. Well, dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, there's times in life when you need to wait. You're trying to get out the door, and you're trying to get to church on time, and your daughter takes forever to get her shoes on. The guy ahead of you in the drive-thru, he seems to be ordering everything that's on the menu. Or you're coming near the deadline, and that's just the moment when your computer decides to do a software update. You're in the place where you need a huge amount of patience. But really, these are just the little things. There's other times where it's much more serious. You have to move out of your house by a certain date, and your builder keeps calling you up and telling you that he's got to push the date out. And again, and again, and again. Or you're waiting for the government to process your immigration paperwork, and they call you up, and they tell you that they can't do anything for you. And the date is coming where you need to go. And you sit and wait, and wait, and wait. Or if it has to do with relationship, then it becomes real, brothers and sisters. You're married to someone, and they're proud. And they're selfish. And you can't just leave. And so you need an enormous amount of patience to help them to deal with their stuff. You're in a family dispute. And you can't disown your family. And so you need a huge amount of patience to deal with it well. Or you're in a position where your boss hates you for being a Christian. And it takes great patience to put up with his abuse. And you have to wonder if it isn't especially hard in our time to be patient. We live in a microwave society. You have instant noodles, instant messaging, you have one-click purchasing, you have same-day deliveries. You come to expect instant results. You want something done, you ask for it done, and you expect it to happen now. And if it doesn't happen, then it's really easy to get frustrated, to get annoyed, to get angry. And yet, you know, brothers and sisters, it's really good that life doesn't happen according to our schedule. The Lord is God, and he accomplishes exactly what he wants to do exactly at the right time. He makes promises, and he fulfills those promises, and he does it on time, every time. And in the, in the, in the middle of that, he works in your character. One of the greatest things he does is that he works on you to get you where he needs you to be. At different times, he wants to accomplish certain things collectively for his people in the history of salvation. And he does. You read about that in the Bible. You read phrases like, and when the time had fully come, 
then such and such happened. Or you read phrases like, and this and this happened in accordance with the word of the Lord. And so God, he teaches us that things happen on time according to his time. But then what's so striking is that his time is often different than our time. His plans often take years and decades, even centuries and millennia, whereas our plans often take seconds and minutes, hours, or maybe days, which means we need to learn how to wait. And that's a good thing. The Lord loves us, and he wants us to share in his character. And so he puts us in all sorts of different circumstances, and he teaches us to learn to wait for him with a spirit of grace or with a spirit of humility. Really, brothers and sisters, it's an invitation to share in his character because he is a God whose heart is filled with patience. We're going to explore what God says about this under our theme, the fruit of the Spirit is patience. We're going to see in the first place the need for patience, and then secondly, the blessing of patience. So maybe I could start by asking you, brothers and sisters, are you a patient person? I was to ask your family members, your husband or wife, your, your brothers and sisters, your parents, would they say that, that you're a really patient person? Maybe it's good to define terms. What does it mean to be patient? Some people think that to, mean, to be patient means to wait. But the core of patience is not really waiting. The core of patience means that you wait with a spirit of calm and acceptance. That you're willing to, to put off certain things, to wait for certain things happening, and you're at ease, and you're at calm, and you're at peace while you do your waiting. Now, the fact is, everyone's going to wait in line at the grocery store. It's just that some people do it, and they get really annoyed. And other people do it, and they're very much at peace. Well, the Lord encourages us to have peace in our hearts while we wait. That's the foundational calling of patience. It's in James 5 or 7. We just read it together. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Well, it's a beautiful calling, brothers and sisters. We used to live in a farming community. The Lord, he, he gives a special gift to farmers. It's really a, a great spiritual gift because in farming, nothing happens fast. Everything takes a bit of time. And so you have to, you wait for the right time to plant. You plant your crops and you wait for the seeds to germinate. You wait for the right time to cultivate. You have to wait for the rain to come. You have to wait for more rain to come. You have to wait for the right time to, to cut the hay. You need to wait for the right time to turn it over, and then you need to wait for the right time to bail it over, to bail it all up. You have to wait for enough heat units for the corn. You have to wait for enough cold for the sugar and the beets. And so when you're a farmer, you're literally always waiting. Well, that's the imagery that God uses here. He says, just as the farmer waits patiently for the rains to come and the crops to mature, so you need to learn to wait patiently for the Lord. And then God's really kind here 
So the context here, just to, to be clear about it, these, these people whom James is writing to, is he's writing to these Christians in the dispersion. And if you read the rest of the letter of James, they suffered quite a bit for the sake of being Christians. And it was really hard for them. And so they, they're looking for relief. They wanted to get out from under it. They wanted their situation to change. And the Lord just says to them, he says, just wait. Just be patient. Well, how do you do it? The next verse, James says, he says, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you will not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. God says here, he says, establish your hearts. The way to be patient is to establish your heart. In your heart, you say to yourself, I need to wait, and that's okay. And I'm going to accept that. And so inside of you, you're okay with that. And, you know, you get these little things. Your brother is in the bathroom, and you need to wait and wait. And that's the time to establish your heart. And you want dinner to start. You need to wait for your dad to come, and he's taken forever. And it's the time to establish your heart, to wait patiently for what the Lord says. Sometimes our emotions are like these unruly little children. And they're running all around and they can't wait and we get mad and we get irritated and we get frustrated. And the Lord says, he says, get a hold on these emotions. Calm down, settle down and wait. And the real challenge, do not grumble against one another. One of the main ways that our impatience is expressed is through grumbling and, and complaining. The Lord says, he says, you really need to watch that because the judge is standing at the door. God is watching. And when we grumble, when we complain against each other, many times we're sinning against the Lord. He says, those are the moments we have to learn to wait with patience and with grace. And the main context in which the Lord is speaking here is he's not just talking about waiting for other people, not just waiting for the, the people around you, but really it's waiting for the Lord. You know, that's something that, that God often does to us. These people here in this context here in James, they're waiting for the suffering to end, waiting for the persecution to be over. They're waiting to get on with their lives so that they can go and do what they want to do. And that's the kind of thing that often happens to us. We wait for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And sometimes we have to wait for a long time. And we wait to have a son or a daughter. And sometimes we have to wait for a long time. It's in his wisdom that the Lord, he puts us in these situations where we suffer serious illnesses or the breakdown of the body. Sometimes we have these broken relationships. You know, ultimately, we're all waiting for the day where the Lord rescues us from all the brokenness in this world, where he brings us into a new world where there's no more pain and no more suffering. No more death, no more misery. Well, it's in those situations that we, we learn to humble ourselves before the Lord. We learn to rest in Him. We need the grace of God to keep us from grumbling and from complaining in the meantime. And the beautiful thing is that the Lord says it is possible to wait. And it's possible to do that long term without grumbling. So in the next verse, he continues, he says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain faithful, who remain steadfast. 
You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Well, so many of the prophets, they had to wait. They had to wait patiently for the Lord. And for a lot of them, it was a really tough goal. They would bring the word of the Lord to God's people, and God's people wouldn't accept that, and the result was that they would attack the messenger. And so Micaiah is thrown into prison. Jeremiah is thrown into a cistern. Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. Paul is flogged. He's imprisoned. He's stoned. Sometimes these prophets, their lives had to become an audiovisual display. The Lord wanted to give a television program to his people, and he did it through the life of his prophets. And so he goes to Hosea, and he says, Hosea, I want you to get married to a prostitute. And he tells her up front, the day's going to come where she goes back to the sex trade. And Hosea has to wait on the Lord. But the Lord says to, to Ezekiel, I want you to lie on your side for more than a year. And Ezekiel has to do that. He has to wait on the Lord. Job loses all his possessions. He loses his children. He's rejected by his wife and by his friends. Yet he remains steadfast. And he remains faithful. And he waits on the Lord. We'll talk about patience, brothers and sisters. These are incredible situations where the Lord called his people to wait. You need to wait on me. And at the right time, the right way, I'm going to rescue you and I'm going to help you. And so set your heart on me and wait for me and trust me to do it for you. And the reason you can have confidence that the Lord will do it for you, brothers and sisters, is that he will help you, that he will equip and enable you to, to be patient is because he himself is a very patient God. And the first and the primary way he's patient is he's patient with us. We sin against him day after day, week after week, year after year. And sometimes it happens that we have these patterns of sinning, the besetting sins, the sins of youth, and the sins that drag on and on and on in our lives. And yet the Lord is very patient with us. He calls us to change, he warns us, he helps us, but in the meantime, he has an enormous amount of patience while he waits us, waits for us to come to grips with our sin and to change from it. Other times, the Lord helps us to see his patience when we read the scriptures. You read through the Bible and you see that, that the Lord operates on different time frames than what we're used to. And he has great patience as he brings to pass his plan of salvation. You know, it's not just in one person's lifetime, but many times he's patient over the course of, of generations, and sometimes over many generations. One of the, the first examples in the scriptures that shows the extent of God's patience would be the, the words in, Jeremiah, in, uh, in Genesis 15. Abram comes to the land of promise, and the Lord says, Abram, I'm going to give you this land, you get to live here. He says, but not yet, because the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. You need to wait. And by the way, you need to wait 400 years. I'm going to wait for 400 years till the sin of these people has reached its full measure, and at that stage, I'm going to wipe them out for all the wicked things that they do. Well, Leviticus 18 and 20, it shows us the kinds of sins that the Lord was was concerned about and the, what finally caused him to, to act. It's when 
sins like child sacrifice and adultery and incest and homosexual became commonplace, that the land spewed these people out and that the Lord punished them for their sins. Or if you want another example of the patience of the Lord, before the people entered the promised land, the Lord told them, he says, whatever you do, he says, don't worship the Baals and the Asherah and the other gods of the lands. Whatever you do, no idolatry. Well, you read the story in Judges 2, the very first thing that happens, as soon as Joshua and Caleb die, as soon as the elders who, live in the, who lived in the desert, they passed away, Judges 2 says, the very next generation did not know the Lord, and they worshiped the Baals and the Ashtoreths. And yet the Lord, he didn't send them into exile right then. He didn't exercise the covenant curse. No, he just disciplined them. He sent some enemies against them, called them to repent, brought them back to him, and carried on with them. And when they did it again, and they did it again, and they did it again, the Lord kept calling them back to him. And he was extremely patient. It was during the years of the judges. He patiently bore with them. Things changed during the time of David. But the people lived in faith in the Lord, and they trusted him. But as soon as Solomon came to the throne, the scripture shows the beginning of the end. Because Solomon built all these shrines for his wife to worship all their false gods all around the hills in Jerusalem. And then you read the rest of the history of the kings, and it's just one long, slow decline where the people go down and they go down and they go down into this miserable situation. It's one of the real lows is it's in the days of Ahab, where the official state religion, it's no longer worshiping Yahweh, the God of, the God of heaven and earth, but they start worshiping Baal. And it's only the gods of, it's only the priests of Baal who are allowed to be in the land. Well, the Lord bore with it with great patience for 700, for 800 years, brothers and sisters, until finally the exile came near the end of Israel's history. Talk about long-suffering. Talk about patience. That is the character of your God. That's whom we are worshiping this morning. It is in 1 Peter 3, verse 20, the apostle tells us that God was patient in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. The earth is filled with violence. All men's heart is only evil all the time. And yet during the whole time when Noah's building the ark, the Lord patiently waits and he doesn't yet exercise his wrath against them. Or in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, Peter tells us why the Lord is so patient. He says that he's working towards the time to return on the clouds of heaven. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you not wishing that any should perish, but that each should reach repentance. God has no joy in the death of the sinner. He gives him no joy when his people turn against him and when they come under his wrath and when he has to punish them and execute them. And so he is patient. He gives time. He waits for us to repent. He waits for us to be born, to come to faith, to repent. He waits till the full number of his elect is gathered before finally he's going to return on the clouds of heaven and he's going to take us home. He is an awesome God. He's driven by love and kindness. And his love and his kindness and his grace and mercy, it drives him to be very patient in his dealings with us as people. Well, that's something that we all get to experience personally, brothers and sisters. The truth of our lives is that we're often a mess. 
When we're kids, then our sin is on our sleeves. We have temper tantrums, and we bash our brother and sister, and we yell at our parents, and we disobey our parents and those in authority over us. And then over time, we get a little more refined about it, but not necessarily any less sinful. Many times, we're still selfish and proud. We're still greedy and lustful and covetous. And so the Lord patiently corrects us, and he patiently trains us, One of the great ways he does it, he puts us in families. And our family has the grace to call it out. And he puts us into marriages. And our spouse has the grace to not accept our sin and to call out the sin that we have in us. He puts us into into these intimate situations where we work closely with other people, into into business arrangements or into work arrangements. And other people get to see our character, and they get to see not only the beautiful things in our character, but they get to see the nasty things about our character. And the Lord calls it out in us. And he's patient. Patiently, he puts us in these circumstances so that we get to see ourselves for who we really are, and that we get to change. It's often a really painful thing when he exposes the truth of your character, brothers and sisters. But it's one of the great graces one of the great kindnesses of the Lord our God. And he tells you, he says, if you, if you are the one who sees the sin, and if you need patience in that circumstance, you need to call it out, you need to speak the truth in love. But then he also says you need to bear with people. You need to help them. And he promises to help you with that. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when he came to this earth, he had an enormous amount of patience. If you want to talk about someone who who suffered, who was mocked and maligned and betrayed, who was hated, and that's the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. You read Psalm 22, you read Psalm 69. These are psalms that give a bit of a picture of what life was really like for a savior during the time that was on earth. You read about what actually happened, about the slander that he faced from the leaders of the Jews, about the hatred and the mocking that he endured but how his family rejected him and his, his disciples abandoned him. And it all kind of came to a crescendo when he's on the cross. When he's hanging on the cross there, then literally everybody is mocking him. You have the passerby who mock him and who berate him for who he is. You have the scribes and the elders and the chief priests who also deride him. You have the robbers who are crucified alongside of him who revile him. And it took an enormous amount of patience because the same words they all used is they said, if you are the son of God, then save yourself and come down from the cross and we will believe in you. Well, he is the son of God. And it was an enormous temptation for him in that moment to show who he really was. And yet he patiently bore the derision in order to become our savior and to rescue us. And now he offers that to us, brothers and sisters. He says, I paid for all your impatience, for all your anger, for all your annoyance, for all the times that you blew up when you were impatient because of other people. He says, I'm willing to pay for that. I take that away from you. You confess it to me, you ask for forgiveness, and it's gone. There's no more guilt. And he says, I promise to live in your heart with my Holy Spirit. I promise to make you into a new person. You look to me, if you confess your sin to me, you look to me, you ask me for help, 
He says, I'm there for you. With my Holy Spirit, I will live in your hearts, and I will change you, and you will become the kind of person who I am. I will make you patient so that you can bear with other people, that you can love people, and that you can carry people. It's so beautiful when you ask it, brothers and sisters, when you pursue it. Some of the most beautiful things in the world. If you're patient, that's one of the kindest ways of loving someone. If you're willing to walk a journey with them, you're willing to be there for them, then it gives them space, and it gives them time to sort things out. We're all messy. But if our spouse bears with us patiently, then we get to see our pride. We get to see our selfishness. It's an incredibly loving thing for them to do for us. If we're patient with our children as they learn to take responsibility, if we're willing to carry them, that's a beautiful way of caring for them, of loving them, of being kind with them. If you're patient with your brother, with your sister, with your brother or sister in Christ who really needs to learn to grow up, that's a very kind thing. You share the character of God and showing his love. The Lord knows that patience is one of the building blocks for any marriage, for any family, for any church. It's in Ephesians 4 verse 1. He says, There I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If you want to have peace, if you want to have unity, then the foundational ingredients, God says, is in the first place humility and gentleness. And along with that, he says you need patience. And you bear with each other. Well, is that you, brothers and sisters? Are you patient? Do you bear with your brothers and sisters in the church? Is there a great sense of, of love that we have among us? we're willing to carry each other and go the distance with each other. It's the calling of Colossians 3. We read it a moment ago. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against each other, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. In a real life, your spouse, your child, your brother is a sinner. You can push them on it. You can go after them. You point it out. You call them to repent. You keep on their case. Maybe you start nagging them. And it will have an effect. It'll have less effect if you're not dealing with your own stuff. But is not the calling to speak the truth in love? You have to be very honest. You speak the truth in love, and then along with that, you patiently bear with them. You give them the space, you give them the time to figure it out. If you're patient, you walk the journey together. It helps you to understand where they're really at. that you come to understand how they came to be who they are today. 
takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of time. It takes someone who patiently is curious about us, who's open and who loves us, to really understand the deeper motives of our heart, to understand why we are the people who we are. Well, patience leads you to have empathy. When you're patient and when you walk that journey, then sometimes you get those unique moments where you get to say just the right thing at just the right time. Solomon, he talks about it like jewelry. He compares it to jewelry. Proverbs 25:11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. If you say a fit word, an apt word, just the right word at just the right time, then sometimes that leads to huge personal self-understanding and growth. And God uses that for an enormous blessing in people's lives. This is the calling. This is the blessing that God wants us to communicate to other people, brothers and sisters. It's in Proverbs 25, verse 15, that the Lord talks about the beauty of patience. He says, with patience, a ruler may be persuaded. Sometimes you work with others. Sometimes you even have other people who are over you. And if you're patient with them, you show them the way, you help them to see it, and you're willing to take the time to walk a journey with them, to, to show them where it really ends, where it really needs to go, then you can persuade people. And you can help them to make good decisions and lead to good ends. The Apostle Paul, he did that. It's in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 6. He says that he commended himself to the Corinthians in all sorts of different ways. And one of the ways he listed is also through his patience. He was patient with them. And it's because he was patient with them that they were willing to accept the promise of the gospel, that they're willing to believe in the Lord Jesus, and that they shared in salvation. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 24, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy that the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, and correcting his opponents with gentleness. If you're willing to put up with other people, and also the garbage that they show, throw at you, and if you're willing to do that with a spirit of gentleness, and with patiently, patiently enduring evil, then you open their ears so that they can listen to you when you speak the truth to them, brothers and sisters. God uses that to pull people back from their sin. Not every time. There are people who are hardened in sin. They hear the message, they receive the patience, they, they get the grace, and yet they still harden themselves in sin. So there's no guarantees. And yet the Lord says, this is the recipe. This is his intention. This is the way that you do it. And he says, it's not only a blessing for other people, it's blessings for you. God wants to bless you. If you're patient, you have this inner peace. You have this calm. You're not anxious. You're not frustrated. You're not annoyed. Life doesn't stress you out. There's less anxiety. There's less of these negative emotions. You don't feel down all the time. You know, physically, you don't get headaches. You don't have acne. You don't have all these physical manifestations of the stress and the anxiety within you. You sleep better. You make better choices. And we have this saying, all good things come to him who waits. There's a lot of truth to it. A couple of Christian men who've lived centuries ago, Benjamin Franklin, he had a saying, he that can have patience can have what he will. Or Edmund Burke, 
our patience will achieve for us more than our force. Patience leads us to slowly and steadily work towards something. And in the end, the Lord loves to bless that, and beautiful things come out of it. What really goes along with it, what stands next to it, I didn't mention it explicitly, we kind of skated over it a couple of times, but what holds hands with patience is humility. At core, patience is about waiting on the Lord. And the way you wait on the Lord is if you humbly accept that the Lord is God, and that he knows best, and that his ways are best. And it's when you have the humility to accept that, then you can wait on the Lord. And you can trust him that he'll work it out for you. This humble dependence is very precious in God's sight. That's a very beautiful thing. It's God's intention for us. He often calls us to that, and he promises to bless us as we pursue it. We just sang together from Psalm 37. It's in verse 4 there. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the, over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out his evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it leads only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Be patient and wait for the Lord, because the Lord sees and he knows, and at the right time, he will act. The righteous inherit, the meek inherit the earth. It is in the words of Revelation 3 verse 10 that the Lord Jesus tells the church in Philadelphia, because you have kept my word, my command about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on earth. It's a promise the Lord extends to you, brothers and sisters. He is your father, and he loves you. And as you look patiently to him, he will bless you. Amen. Let's sing together from hymn 65, verses 1 and 2.
fairly major surgery on his back. We wish to ask you, Lord, that you please bless the work of the doctors. Grant that they can have steady hands. Please protect our brother from infection. Grant that they're able to do an operation that helps him and grant a blessing over the healing process. We also pray for our sister, Frances Jansen, Lord, she needs a thyroid operation. Again, a fairly serious operation. We pray for your blessing on her. We ask that the doctors can do the work well, that she may be blessed through it. We ask, Lord, that you give her a good recovery as well, and that in due time, that both her brother and sister are able to return and to be with us again. Father, thank you for the medical profession we have. Thank you for the work of the doctors and nurses. We want to entrust them to your care. Such demanding jobs. There's so much on the line. There's so much at stake often. We pray that you would be near to them, that you help them, that you care for them. Also pray, Father, that you please take care of, of us in the, the rest of this week. Looking forward as ministers to have a conference together. Please bless the pastors of our churches, Lord. Grant that we can encourage one another, that we may be faithful in our task, that we can be built up in understanding what that's supposed to look like, that we can also have great times of mutual joy and encouragement. We also pray, Lord, for a blessing over the, the classes meeting that hopes to meet on Friday. I want to pray for a blessing, especially over the examination of our brother Tim Slaw. Father, we're so thankful that, that our brother has accepted the call here to Southern River. We're grateful that he can be in our midst this morning. We pray that you'd be near to him and to Alana and also to their daughter, that you surround them with your love and care, that they may have a beautiful time here meeting together with us, and that also the exam may go well on Friday. Father, thank you for, for being their father. Thank you for bringing them to this point. Please shine your face upon them. Grant your blessing over the work that he does, and please grant that in due time that he's able to take up the task as a missionary in P&G. Father, we're so thankful for the, for the opportunities and the gifts that you give us. Please accept our thanks, please hear our prayer, and please do it for Jesus' sake. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, the um, collection this afternoon is for the, uh, the work of the Canadian, sorry, this morning is for the work of Canadian Reformed Theological Seminary. Before we uh, give our money to the Lord, I'd like to read one passage of scripture with you, just as an encouragement. In our worship, also through giving. In uh, 1 Corinthians 8, the, uh, the Lord, he encourages, the Apostle Paul, he encourages God's people in the gift of giving. He mentions in the first verses there, the generosity of the Macedonian churches in giving to the Lord. And then in, in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 12, he says, he says, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. And so the Lord loves your gifts, brothers and sisters. It doesn't, mean, doesn't matter if it's a lot or if it's a little bit. If you don't have a lot, he doesn't expect a lot. He just loves if you give from a cheerful heart. Well, you have the opportunity to worship God now with your giving. We're going to give it to the, uh, to the work of the Canary Reform Theological Seminary, and thereafter we're going to sing the last two verses of hymn 65.
Receive now the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.